Hey, it's Liz Kelly. Here's what Ringer content you should be looking out for before the end of the week. From the star of Slow News Day, check out Kevin Clark's new video series, Worst Picks of the Week, where he offers up the worst NFL and pop culture bets each week. This will be up every Thursday throughout the NFL season, and you can watch on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, up on the site, we have two pieces on The Good Place, and Juliet Littman is writing about the 20-year anniversary of Felicity. Check it out on TheRinger.com. Welcome to GM Tree, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Friday. It is September 28th. And this is the Friday sit-down where we sit down with Mr. Michael Lombardi and we figure out the best games to watch this weekend. Lombardi, first off, Thursday Night Football. We had a showdown. We had a shootout in Los Angeles. And the Los Angeles Rams, 4-0 for the first time since 2001. Wow. Track meet last night. Really good. Fun to watch. It really was. It was fun to watch McVay coach. You know, I've never been that high. I've, I've been had my doubts about golf. Because I think a lot of it is McVeigh. Last night, Goff was precise. I mean, his mm. accuracy. Of course, you know, he didn't get hit at all. And I'm not taking anything away from Goff, but I thought he was great. Goff was great. But McVeigh, to me, every week, he is just remarkable. And we talked about the the narrative with Jared Goff over this time. I mean, he was the number one pick, obviously, we remember, in, in 2016. And in the Jeff Fisher era, we saw that all play out. And a lot of people were, were sour on Goff. And a lot of people pointed to Carson Wentz and said that the Eagles made the right choice. Obviously, he was an MVP candidate. And obviously, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So they're doing well. But it, sometimes in life, both sides can win a situation. And Jared Goff last night, I mean, you just look at some of the balls he threw. That Cooper Cup touchdown that he threw in, you know, Trey Waynes and Mike Hughes are right there, double covered. The ball lands right in his hands in the bread basket. Could, couldn't have placed it any better. Troy Aikman even pointed that out, uh, which is nice for Troy to do. Um, but but do we, I don't think we've ever seen Goff play at that level. And you just saw the excitement on the sideline with McVay and the whole Rams team. And it, it was fun to watch if you were Jared Goff. You could really see, unlike the Cowboys with Jason Garrett, I'm not sure. Like the Cowboys, I have no idea what they're doing with their staff in the offseason. They must be playing Minecraft or, you know, uh, what's that other game everybody plays? I mean, it's ridiculous. They don't. They didn't do anything this offseason, but the Rams clearly spent time studying the Vikings' defensive schemes. And what makes McVay so unique, and there are very few coaches in the league that can do this. McVay does it. Josh McDaniels does it at, Indiana, at, at New England. Almost did it at Indianapolis. Almost did it at Indianapolis. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does it. There's guy, Andy Reid does it. There's guys that do it. Is What they do is they know the defense so well that they could they attack the checks and and adjustments to the defense. So for example, like people say, well how the hell is how the hell is uh Anthony Barr covering Brandon Cooks? Okay, real easy. He got in tight splits. Okay, the 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 tight split formation. They played their covered. They played their. They're worried about crossers. So because the receiver didn't vertically run up the field, he crossed. Barr has him on the crosser. But what McVeigh did was instead of instead of keeping him crossing the field like most teams do, he sent him vertically. Now Barr's got to carry him because it's mm. his man. Once he cuts him, he's got him. And so that's an attack of the adjustment to the coverage. And that's what McVeigh does every week. The Rams run really very few different plays every week. What they do is they run plays that specifically attack the coverages of the defense. That's different. All young coaches, they talk about, well, they sit there and they they draw on a pad new plays. No, no, no. If you want to be a great offensive coach in football, if you want to be the best offensive mind in pro football, study defenses for the entire offseason. And I'm not talking about just study them. I'm talking about as if you were the defensive back coach of the defense. If you were the defensive coordinator and that's what happened. Mike Zimmer last night, you could see Sean McVay spent all of his offseason getting in early in the morning and just basically studying the Vikings tape to the point where if Mike Zimmer had a defensive question about his defense, McVay could have answered it. And Mike Zimmer said after the game, uh, he obviously was a little bit frustrated with how everything played out. And he said, this is probably one of the worst secondaries he's ever coached, which you know we find interesting because what was happening, and, and we talked about this off air before we got on here, was... The reason that McVay was able to do that and elongate these routes was he could basically turn a drag into a wheel because Jared Goff had the time to let a wheel route develop. Right. And that's the way that they were able to attack it. So up front, they weren't getting the pass rush. And then on the back end, McKenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, all these guys are just getting roasted. I mean, it's the it's the classic example. Look, if you if you count the five Mississippi, anybody can get open. If you mm -hmm. count the three Mississippi, nobody gets open, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same principle, whether you're playing in a pl playground or you're playing in the Coliseum. If pass rush gets to the quarterback, no matter what your secondary looks like, you're going to get the 
quarterback on the ground. But if it doesn't matter how talented your secondary is, if you can't, if the quarterback has time, guys are going to get open. And I mean, when you just examine the Vikings over the last, since, since the second half of the Saints game, this Viking defense in the last six games has given up over 28.6 points per game. Okay. They've given up numerous yards. They gave up 456 yards to the Eagles. They gave 358 to the Saints. And people say, well, the, you know, there's some things happened in the second half. No, they only gave up 149 yards in the first half against the Saints. The Saints got another 200 yards in the second half. So people are understanding it. And I can remember, you know, I forget the year specifically, but it was opening day of the NFL season. I was working for NFL Network and the Patriots played the the Bengals and Zimmer was the defense coordinator of the mm-hmm. Bengals. And, you know, it looked on paper like it was going to be a really hard game. And so, you know, I was a little bit worried about it. And the Patriots, I think Tracy White intercepted a pass for a touchdown and the Patriots blew out the Bengals. I mean, it was a no, it was no good. So I went down on the field and I, and I was on the field. And after the game, I'm walking off the field with Belichick. And I said to him, I said, God dang, that was really impressive. And he said, you know, I've played Zimmer enough to really understand it. So I think we knew how to attack him. And what he was saying to me was exactly what I just said to you. They understood the adjustments and they attacked the adjustments. And that's why most coaches that sit there in their office and draw plays are wasting their time. They should go over and go to clinics about defense. They should study defenses because when you can attack the defense specifically, you can look like Sean McVay. And I don't see enough guys do it. And we're talking about tendencies at this point. And that, uh, Mike Zimmer does similar things. And McVay was basically playing a guessing game, which is what we want to kind of debunk a little bit about what was talked about during the game. Because a lot of it was, look at these amazing plays that Sean McVay is drawing up that they can't handle but what he's doing is he's seeing what the defense is he's bunching in these guys and he's calling a play to specifically attack a certain position on the field knowing that Anthony Barr or a linebacker is going to guard a guy that's a lot quicker than him he's creating it he's not he's not reinventing the wheel every week with new Mm -hmm. plays he's taking his offense and strategically attacking I mean it's like a missile strike you know we used to send missiles like battleship exactly we used to send missiles out there and hope they hit but now we have these laser focused missiles that we know exactly the target. That's maybe McVay's. we should call Sean McVay the satellite. He is. He's got laser target. He knows how to do it. So, he, but but it's his knowledge of defense. Bill Walsh said the best. He the best. The way he became the best offensive coach was he spent two years. It's in my book, Gridiron Genius, mm-hmm. uh, about. He spent two years with Marv Levy understanding he was a defensive backfield coach at Cal. So he knew def- he learned defense. Ernie Zampisi, who was a great offensive coordinator, revolutionized the passing game in the NFL for years. He studied defense. He was a defensive backfield coach that turned over. People don't give Belichick enough credit, but Belichick, because of his defensive background and his understanding of defense, that makes him a better offensive coach. And so that's what happens. And, and I think Sean Payton does the same thing. He understands how to attack the defense, and so that's why there's so successful. Do you think there's anything to uh, this is just a, a thought experiment that I kind of have in my head, having Wade Phillips in the building with Sean, and obviously Sean is a very curious and a guy that's very interested in the history of football and all that sort of stuff, but is it one of those things where, they talked about Zimmer last night where he has no idea where the offense meets, he doesn't care, you know, that's his own separate thing at this point, um, but but if you have Wade Phillips and you have this wealth of knowledge, I mean, is Sean McVay just soaking it in? Is he in defensive meetings talking to Wade Phillips and looking at Mike Zimmer tape, asking him what he's doing here? Exactly. And, and Wade brings that knowledge and that experience. You know, I'm reading this book, Wisdom at Work. It's about this guy, Chip Conley, who talks about about he was a 55-year-old man that started a company and then he got involved with the Airbnb guys. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating book so far. And and he's talking about how experience really plays into it and how his experience really helped their, their business. And it's true. Like he can go over to Wade and he could say, Wade, what's Zimmer doing here? What's his ideas? And then Wade can easily explain it to him and say the history of it. He can go back and say, well, you know, back in the 80s, this was kind of popular. So people were doing this and we modify. That's really how you learn. It's in the history that makes you better in the future. And so I, I agree. I think McVeigh and, and McVeigh's ego never gets in the way of the game. Mm-hmm. It never gets in the way. He's not too shameful to go over and ask questions. I mean, you could just see when they were deciding fourth and one, he's got, I think he's got uh, Jed Fish up in the box talk, helping him with game management, which is good. And so he's asking him, we got a punt here, right? You could just read his lips and say, we got a punt here. And, you know, like he's not like trying to become the smartest guy in the room. He's just trying to make sure he makes the best decision for the room. And it's also a, a little bit of like a, a youthful exuberance to everything that he's up to. I mean, I, you pointed out this uh, when it happened, but when Cooper Cup gets that long touchdown and he runs that drag route and Anthony Barr has to pick him up and then he turns up field and ju- the Goff makes 
takes the easy pass over top and they score the touchdown. Sean McVay sprinting on the field, jumping up and down and celebrating. And most people are, are thinking that he's patting himself on the back for, you know, the, making some great call. But really, they saw the coverage. He thought the coverage was right. And they made the decision. They make the pass. And that, they're all celebrating together because they're all in these meetings the week before talking about if we get this coverage, we know we can hit this. And when they hit it, they're all celebrating. Exactly. And I think if you, I'm sure, and I don't know this for a fact, but I can promise you with a 90% certainty that the Rams practiced that play this mm-hmm. week in practice through a walkthrough or whatever they did. And it went just exactly the way it came off. And it looked exactly how it happened on their practice that it happened in the game. Because that's how you script. You know, practice practice execution becomes game reality. And there's the perfect example of it right there. And that's why the Rams, look, the Rams are going to be hard to beat this year because they're really good in two areas. They're really good on offense and they're really good in the special teams. And they never take their foot off the gas. I mean, you know, they're a gambler's dream come true. You got to think Cousin Sal just absolutely loves the Rams, (laughs) right? Or the gen- degenerate trifecta, those guys. Everybody, yeah, against they, all of Because, look, because look that, that game, I would have taken the Rams plus the point, given the points up, and I'm and it was a push. It ended up being a push for seven. But the reality of it is, is they missed a, a chip shot field goal, and it would have been a different game. Mm-hmm. And so my sense of it is, is they never take the foot off the gas. They're really good in the kicking game. And yes, their defense is nowhere near what they're paying for. Their secondary stinks. And unless Sue and Donald get pressure, they're not going to, they're not, but who can keep pace with them? Who can keep up with them? Nobody can. But it, but it comes down to, and I think you've said this before, but when you're playing this Rams team, you're almost, I mean, you're playing a clock management. Let's, let's dirty this game up, you know, in the same way that like Butler basketball, when they play a, a more superior athletic team, they're going to dirty and play slow and try to try to stretch this game out as long as they can. I mean, that's what you kind of have to do to this Rams team. But the thing about it is right when they get the ball back, it's, it, they don't ever miss a beat. You know, it never looks like they're cold for being on the sideline. As soon as they get back in, they're, they're right back at it. Yeah. And you, and to me, if you're playing the Rams, you better know all your checks and adjustments and change them that week. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, we used to play bunch this way, but we're not playing it that way anymore this week we're going to change it because he's going to attack it the way you play it and if you make a mistake with how you play it it's going to screw him up that's the way he's going to get screwed up because he's dictating what you're doing by his checks and just so what you got to do is you got to change you got to alter some things you have to do and if you can't win the matchups which it's hard to win those matchups the thing i admire about the rams even more their receivers are they don't drop a goddamn pass <laughs> they really don't they don't drop a pass mm-hmm. i mean they uh, cooks look i thought cooks was a good player i thought he had a hard time against press last year and was not good with the ball in his hand with the patriots i mean remember xavier howard of the dolphins just kicked his ass in that game down there but cooks has gotten better there robert woods i made the statement robert Woods, like what's he going to do for the rams like he wasn't that good in buffalo mm-hmm. And he's like 10 light years better about what he is there. He never drops a pass. You can go to Buffalo. T- I mean, the Bill fans got to look at Robert Woods and say, like, shit, he never played like this for us. Mm-hmm. So it's in the teaching. And here's why it's so effective. Because what the Rams do is simple, right? Einstein has five levels of intelligence, right? Simple's the number one, right? They're simple. And because they're simple, they play fast. And because they don't change their plays every week, they modify their plays the players have confidence. And when players have confidence, they play faster. And that's really what's happened there. And they coach the shit out of receivers. Like, I don't know how they get them to never drop the ball, but they're remarkable. And when you go out there and it works, if, if you're Robert Woods, when he scores that touchdown and he gets matched up on bars, the same sort of deal, and he turns upfield and he's running down, in his head, as soon as he gets past him, he's probably thinking this is a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're already celebrating because you know you've prepared for this. It's here. They're running exactly what all the coaching staff has prepared you to see. And here it is. I mean, yeah. the, the, I mean the confidence in that. Yeah. I mean, and the, the fans don't get to hear the coaches in the headset, but you could, I promise you, in the headset, when the Rams, before Boom. that snap, McVay said, we got it. We yep. got it. This is us. We yep. got it. Just take your time. Take a deep breath. Let's make the pass. Exactly. Execute. Right. Exactly. Just execute. And that's fun. And that's fun. And I think that they're going to be hard to beat. I mean, you could just see the Rams and the Chiefs playing in a playoff game or Super Bowl. The over, I don't know what the Vegas would set it at, but it's going to be a pretty high number. Yeah, we're, we're going to be in the 40s, possibly 50s. I mean, it might be uh, who even knows what will happen at that point. Um, I want to talk about the Vikings a little bit, too, because I think they've kind of gotten lost in the shuffle here just because they, I think they did play a pretty quality game. I mean, Aikman, yeah. Aikman did say, I mean, he was like, this is one of the few times I've seen in a while where we have two quarterbacks on both sides of the ball really playing outstanding. You know what I mean? And we talked about quarterback play and how it's been up and down a little bit, but both those guys, especially Cousins last night, made some great throws, looked like a guy who was ready to, to get that offense rolling. I mean, putting up 31 points with the Mike Zimmer defense, you know, on paper, if you told Mike Zimmer you're getting 31 points, he thinks that's a win. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, look, the Vikings offensive line, we know is not very good. They mm-hmm. don't travel well. It cost them the game. I mean, the sack fumble, strip fumble cost them the game. Bad line 
lines don't travel. Bad That's lines don't travel. Me. It eventually cost them, but they played well enough. I mean, look, they played well enough. They just, you're not, look, the one thing you're not going to be able to do, you're a basketball, you love basketball. You're not going to beat the Rams playing a, a track meet. Mm-hmm. You got to slow this thing down. Mm-hmm. And they tried to slow it down. The problem was they couldn't stop big plays. You know, the Rams were one for seven on third down in the game. They just couldn't get the game to, Zimmer couldn't get the game to third down. Mm-hmm. You know, and so therefore, it's the same thing what happens to the Chiefs. You try to slow the game down, you can't slow it down. Until you eliminate big plays, you're not going to be able to do it. And so I, I think what you got to try to do is you got to play coverage. You got to force them to try to run the ball a little bit and play the run well. And I think that's the only chance you really have. I want to ask you, I mean, this is like looking really long term about because in my head, I think a lot of people most going into the season thought that the Vikings and the Rams are two of the top cream of the crop NFC teams. Uh, obviously, the Vikings right now are one, one and two. The record doesn't really reflect that at the moment. But is there a world in which I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, possibly. But is there a world in which where Mike Zimmer knows what he's getting himself into with this Rams team? And it is early in the season. We're still, you know, figuring things out. We're still in September. It's the end of September, moving to October. Is there a world in which where he doesn't want to show all of his cards because he knows that this is this is the team he's going to see, or or or, or is that just a, you know too far fetched to think that that's possible? I, I think that's a little far fetched. I think what Mike Zimmer's got to be pissed off about. Look, his secondary didn't play well. Xavier Rhodes is not a good matchup for certain receivers, right? Mm-hmm. He has to win at the line of scrimmage. He's an early. He's what I call a breakfast corner. Breakfast he's corner. He's a physical presser at the line. Right. But he's got to win early. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, some corners are, are dinner corners. They win late in the route, right? The Revises so, of the world. Right. They can they play off. They read the route. They read the quarterback's drop. They play off. A breakfast corner is a guy that got to win early. And that's what that that's really what Rhodes has to do. He's got to win early. And I think he's pissed off at his secondary, but he's got to be pissed off at his defense. Look, they miss they they miss Xavier Griffin. And we hope he's okay yeah, mentally. Griffin, yep. Yeah, Everson Griffin. They miss him badly. He's got to get mentally healthy. And that that hurts them because he was a good player for them. Hunter's a good player. See, when you have a combination of defensive linemen that are really good, then somebody has a single block. But if you only have one or two, not every you know, it's hard to win. And I think that front's not playing to the level they need them to play. Do you think there's going to be, I mean, they mentioned McKenzie Alexander, a guy they got out of Clemson a few years ago. They, they mentioned him having some struggles. I mean, will, will we see a situation where Zimmer maybe makes some changes? I mean, uh, he the, might bring Terrence Newman back, who's on yeah. his coaching staff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 90 years old. I mean, Terrence Newman played better than some mm-hmm. of these guys are playing. I bet Zimmer's like probably in the headset saying, Terrence, you play better. He's looking at George Ioka. He's like, I'm going to bring the whole Pac Man Jones will be out there in a couple he's weeks. He's probably saying, hey, Terrence Newman, you play better than these guys. Just go at halftime, put somebody else's uniform on. They won't know the fucking difference. There's one bright spot, though, and that's uh, former North Carolina guy mike hughes uh he's he's a rookie and i mean i i i just i i thought it was wild how after the game everyone seemed to turn so sour on the minnesota vikings i thought they did have some bright spots obviously the defense was what it was but you're also playing uh, the best team this is the you know the best show on turf 2.0 at this point and if you're not going to get it if you're not going to get if it's a seven on seven game and you're not going to get pressure the rams Mm -hmm. are going to just kick your ass every Mm -hmm. time i mean nobody's going to beat the rams if they don't get the golf there's just no way you're going to do it you're just not going to be able to do it. But I'm trying in my head to 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 figure out which team that is in the NFC that has that pass rush. Obviously, the Eagles were the team that had that last year, and, and a team that really. But but they're not the same up front that they were last year. So there's a lot of there's a lot of up in the air. And if there is no superior, supreme, uh, elite pass rush in the NFC. I don't really understand how you stop this Rams offense. I think the I think the Saints will give the Rams a run for the money because they can match. They can get in a track meet and play with them. They can get in a track meet and play with them. Now, can they cover them? They're, so far, I think the Saints have to really simplify what they're doing. The Saints are horrendous on first down defense. They can't. You know, they give it up you can too see many. The Packers possibly have Rodgers. They give it up, is, but the Packers play. The Packers yeah. play battleship defense. I don't know what the fuck the Packers are doing. Like to me, I, I have no idea. The Packers can't stop anybody. I mean, Mike Pettin sitting up there. Like at some point, just get into a basic defense and play sound defense. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what the Saints have to do. The Saints have to stop trying to dial the best perfect defense against the perfect. You know, that, that don't work. Get sound. Balance your defense up. Make them earn it down the field. Play cover two. Play a coverage. You know, give up four or five, six-yard gains. And then get it to third down. Maybe make a play. Mm-hmm. But too too often, they're trying to be perfect all the time. That doesn't work. I, I, I think the Saints could play a track meet with them. I think Philadelphia, because Wentz is back, if their defensive line gets better, that could happen. Team like Carolina that has a front forward like Short and some of those guys and Pepper. That would Maybe. be that would be a recipe, and Cam could have to make some plays. Mm-hmm. And, and just hold on to the ball and run the ball and try to get, basically try to beat them twenty-one to seventeen. Well, like the Eagles did last week, the Eagles mm-hmm. had the ball forty minutes against the Colts and almost lost, but mm-hmm. they scored twenty points in forty minutes. I mean, if somebody goes and holds the ball forty minutes against the Rams 
and doesn't give up big plays, you'll win. But if you hold the ball 40 minutes and give up four plays over 50 yards, you still ain't going to win. You know, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You got to eliminate big plays. You can't beat the Rams and give them two play drives for touchdowns. You can't do it. You got to keep the ball in front of you. I have to ask one more thing before we move on. First of all, Jared Goff gets compared to Mark Bolger. First 400-yard passing game since Mark Bolger. That was great. People haven't heard Mark Bolger in quite a while. But the, the Jared Goff situation, I mean, we, we talked about being a system quarterback. He's been called a game manager. He's been called every backhanded compliment you could give a guy that's a quarterback for a team, especially a guy that was a number one pick. He made throws last night that looked like a, a, a true, you know, top level elite quarterback in the NFL. And I'm, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has done that on occasion too. But I mean, I mean, is it time to start giving Jared Goff a little bit of his due? I, I thought last night he convinced me. Like I've been in doubt with the guy for a while. I, I you know, it's the worst quarterback in the playoffs last year. He didn't play well. He got pressure. You know, he got pressure last year in the playoff game. Atlanta put a lot of pressure on him and he couldn't handle it. I think the Rams offensive line doesn't get enough credit. I mean, they're playing way better. Aaron Cromer, I said this on another podcast, he's done a great job with that line. But I do think, I think Goff's accuracy, when Goff has the time to do it, I do think, I still would take Wentz over Goff, but I, Goff impressed me with that game last mm-hmm. night, and I thought he was, he led the team well. He made, like you said, he made some incredible throws. And, it, you know, hey, it was a fun game to watch, let's be honest. It was really a fun game to watch. And those are the kind of things that I think that the league really wants. We didn't see any roughing calls that were ridiculous, mm-hmm. so that's a good thing, so we're making progress there. And I have to bring this up, Joy I mean, uh, Diggs is coming down and he is going to take a big shot. I mean, the the classic shot when a safety is coming in to hit you on a deep ball. I mean, and Joyner pulled up, doesn't hit him. Diggs comes up to him after the play. And I mean, they show the slow-mo. It's basically like, thank you. You know, I mean, he knew he was going to take a big shot. Uh, He doesn't make the catch anyway. See, that's a great point, Dave Frazier, because that shows you they're coaching it. That shows you they're coaching. I think it also shows that there's a little bit of a, the players are starting to try to protect one another. It's, it's like, why why am I going to do this to someone that's in the same and that, thing that, that the play, Look, the play, all the players want is rules that are applicable. Now, mm-hmm. they change the rule that, you know, like it's a, f- a crock of crap. I mean, the league office is like the Warren Commission. They can rearrange anything they want, you know. So they've rearranged the rules, even though they didn't change it. So they understand how ridiculous it is. They just don't want to admit they made a mistake. So they changed it. I think we'll see less calls. But I agree with you. I, I think that proves that the Rams are coaching it. They're trying to coach it to the way that the rules are. It's just when the rules are so obscure and written so poorly, it's hard to do. And then I should say this in the next play, uh, Diggs got wrecked by uh, little John, uh, you know, and a, and a hit and his helmet flew off. So, I mean, it goes both ways. Obviously, we're, we're, we're dealing with football. This George Whitfield Jr.'s back, Tate Frazier. Yes. Can we talk about this? Uh, we're very excited about this. Uh, ha- this made my day. I, I love it. We're, we're in the we're in the middle of Fitz magic. Uh, you know, everyone's excited about it. Uh, he is basically the David Blaine of football at this point. Um, we all know that Jameis Winston has missed the first three games and everyone's been wondering what's going to happen when he comes back. And, and now we know, Lombardi, he's going to probably win the MVP because he has been working with the guru himself, Mr. George Whitfield Jr. The brooms are back out. Uh, this is not a sweep time. This is a... How many games has George won in the NFL, by the way? I, I mean, I don't I know. Like to know. Look, this look is at his a, resume. How do look you at become, all the guys he's coached. How about the guy that took credit for Christian Hackenberg's mm. great success this offseason? You know, mm. I fixed Hackenberg. Mm-hmm. Where is that guy? Uh, where is that guy? He's probably cutting grass somewhere. I mean, like, give me Back a break. Uh, yeah. Hey, look. I mean, I'm happy George is back. What else would we talk about? It's great. George George can promote George better than anybody. We, we just need all the characters back in football. I mean, I, I saw the other day I was watching FS1, Trent Dilfer's on the, you know, I, I, I miss everybody. You know, I, I just bring the band back together. I was just in Maui. All I wanted was for Chris Berman to be somewhere out and about so I could give him, you know, a little rumbling, dumbling, you know, something like that. I mean, we're, we're at a time where all the characters are out and, and football is doing really well you know right does now. A great George, you know who does a great Chris Berman impersonation? I mean, a brilliant Chris Berman impersonation. Jim Nance. He does Chris Berman better than Chris Berman. We could need do. that. I need that. I, I got to get, we I have to get, recording. we have to get the great one on the, on the podcast at some point because he does it oh so my. good. He does it so good with the pauses, the, the, you know, have you ever seen a guy who doesn't finish a sentence and continues another sentence than Berman? But anyway, it's great. I love it. I can't I, I'm happy that. that George is back. I mean, we need it. We need George. All right, Lombardi, before we move on uh, to do our week four watch list of all the games, uh, let's take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Yahoo Sports. Did you get the Yahoo Sports app yet? Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you get live, local, and primetime NFL games all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Seriously, go get the app. It's your ticket to watching live NFL games wherever you want. No subscriptions, no fees. It's all football and all yours at the tap of an app. Watch live NFL games on the Yahoo Sports mobile app now. 
And we're also brought to you by Away. Away offers high quality luggage that is designed to be resilient, resourceful, and essential to the way you travel. It's available in a variety of colors and four sizes, including carry-on sizes that are compliant with all major U.S. airlines. The Away suitcase is lightweight and made with premium gerbin polycarbonate that's unrivaled in strength and impact resistance. Not to mention it features a TSA-approved combination lock. Four 360-degree spinner wheels. Yes, you heard that right, spinner wheels. And a patent-pending compression system to help over packers. Better yet, both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge anything that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge will power your iPhone five times over. I will say, I just used my way back. I just went to Maui. I just went on a trip. I had the USB cord. I had my iPhone charger. I plugged it in. I charged my phone. It wasn't that hard. Thank you, Away. Try out Away for 100 days. Vibe with it. Travel with it. Instagram it. Do whatever you got to do. And if at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund. Shipping is free within the lower 48 states. And thanks to Away's lifetime warranty, if anything breaks, they'll fix it so you've got nothing to lose. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash NFL and use promo code NFL during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash NFL and promo code NFL for $20 off your Away suitcase today. And now back to GM Street. All right, and we are back. GM Street here. This is uh, Lombardi and I. We go through uh, the, the five games to watch out for this weekend. Lombardi gives you his picks. Uh, we got people on Twitter keeping up with this. Yeah, Everyone's I mean, very excited about your I picks now. Send- now that I'm giving your record out and it's always wrong, people you know, are coming I know. in and correcting. I know. I, I forgot the guy who, t- who whoever the guy, whoever is listens to this and keeps score, you, I've labeled you the scorekeeper. Yes. You got. I got to get your address. I want to send you a book. Courtesy of me because I appreciate you. Get him an autograph plate in there, right? I, I'll, I'll do an autograph one, yeah, too. This week, speaking of autograph books, so we got a. Uh this week, I'm not going to Tony P's this week because I'm going over to this Patriot bar mm. here in Culver City to sit with all the Patriot fans and hopefully watch the Patriots play Miami. Uh, those, they might be disappointing. We I might know, need Miami, a therapy session. Over. Miami is the trap game always. I might have to call Melfi. Well, I mean, Tannehill's never won a game in New England in his mm. career. Mm. so that He's 3-1 and one in Miami against the Patriots, but it's never won up there. So I don't know. We might have to call Dr. Melfi for some therapy yeah. sessions going and in there. You, you never know. I mean, like we said, the Miami Dolphins are not necessarily winning football games but they're, they're not they're losing, not losing football that's games. exactly right Tate that is the middle ground where you want to be in life speaking of a guy who is not necessarily losing football games but definitely not winning football games at this point that is my quarterback mitchell trubisky of the chicago he's bears your quarterback he's my quarterback you took him away from big cat <laughs> i mean big cat tell me i'm not allowed to say anything bad about him he's right he's absolutely correct you can't say anything bad about him and if, and if you watch carolina play football now you know how good mitchell is at football because my goodness they are horrible at this point they're they they are the only team in the country that's do at you talked about duality all the time lombardi false duality yes. yes no this is true duality these quarterbacks have thrown as many pick six as they as they have thrown real touchdowns uh at north carolina right now so so mitchell did some things there uh at this point matt Nagy. He's still trying to figure out uh, what he has on the offensive side. They were able to get it, to eke out a win against the Cardinals last week, and uh, now they're going to take on. We're going to see Fitzpatrick, right? There will be it will be Fitzpatrick. I mean, unless George makes a quarterback substitution, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, George could. We we haven't heard. Dirk, Dirk Cutter might have George Whitfield in the headset up there. Uh, you know, he's called a ton of plays. He knows yeah. how to he knows how to do it. I yeah. mean, I, if I would, I would call George. Well, let's. What if th- George is any good at Madden? You think he's good at Madden? Yeah, I, I think, bet he's great at Madden. I right? think that's how he invented this. You whole know, brand. I was great at Tiger Woods at one time. When my kids were young, I was I was addicted to Tiger Woods. I play that damn thing every night. I come home from work. It was ridiculous. I, I get addicted to golf in uh, like six to eighth grade, and I, I played every single day. I came home, played Tiger Woods, watched the Golf Channel for about eight hours at night. Brando Chambly, Frank Nablo, all those guys. It's Ryder Cup week, Lombardi. Yeah, I know. Tigers I know. out there. In I was th- those. I was addicted to that, and I was addicted to Batman. There was like five levels of Batman, <laughs> and I was addicted to it. The babysitter used to have to come get me through like level two, and I could get through that, and I could get through like three levels. And then, like ten years later, what are you playing this on Nintendo sixty four? Yeah, like PS2, it was like a PlayStation. PlayStation. It was like a PlayStation. Nice. It was like you know, mm-hmm. and I was addicted to it. I got, I wouldn't, <laughs> I could get to level four, but I couldn't get any further, right? And so, so I gave it up. And then, like ten years later, I'm at the beach house in, in New Jersey, and it's the summertime, and I hear this scream. I'm like, oh no, something happened, you know? Yeah. And Mickey, my oldest son, he finally finished the game and got through level <laughs> five. It was like it took it. It was like a great moment. That, anyway. that was that was Einstein's five levels. That was through that batman game yeah it was <laughs> that's what it was all right so uh, the bears look if mitchell trubisky can't move the ball against this bad buck defense then mm-hmm. you got problems mm-hmm. here's the issue with mitchell he's 54 quarterback rating when people
people blitz him. He doesn't handle the blitz very well. Now, this team, Tampa Bay, they don't play very good defense at all. And I think the Bears' pass rush, you got to think Fitzpatrick is sore after last week, right? Mm-hmm. The Steelers beat the shit out of him, right? So it's going to be hard for him to really make plays. I think the Bears win the game. I think the Bears dominate on defense. And I think Trubisky should play better in this game. They should be able to move the ball. They're playing home. And they've got enough tape on Tampa. Tampa's coming off a short week. I like Chicago. And I will say this. I would watch out for Levante David and Quan Alexander because the, both those guys are going to be blitzing Mitchell Trubisky. And uh, if they get in those situations, as we've talked about, I mean, he, he has the Trubisky tuck. That is, that is his patented move at this point where he tucks it and tries to get out of dodge at the, you know, when the pocket collapses. Look, if Trubisky doesn't move the ball against the Bears, mm. then you better admit he's not very good. With Against the Bucks? Against the Bucks. I'm, I'm sorry. Him, I'm giving him time. No. If he doesn't a, move the ball against the Bucks, you got to – got to admit it. I mean, to me, it's, it's, you got to say something. I watched Jared Goff his first year. Yeah, but I I, I remember, I remember. But Jared Goff, when he finally got the good coach, when he got McVay in there, changed immediately. I think Nagy's a good coach. I think Nagy's a good coach too, but I think they'd be better with Chase Daniel, (laughs) but that's a whole other story. I do like Chase Daniel. That's for sure. Uh, Let's talk about the next game that we have on the docket. We have the reigning champs, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to take on the Tennessee Titans. And they're only a three-point favorite against the Titans. I mean, how is that possible, right? It's very interesting. I, I feel like the Eagles are not getting uh, their due right now, especially with wins coming back, right? Yeah, I mean, plus here, they realize that the Titans only score three points in the second and third quarter combined. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't score points. I mean, where are they going to get offense from in this game? I mean, seriously, how are they going to keep pace? The Eagles keep the ball anyway. You know, the, probably the Titans will have the ball 26 minutes in this game. Where are they going to get 20 points? Like, I can't find it. Their longest pass play is still that fake punt. They have no ability to make a play in the passing game. Mariota's still, Mike Vrabel's saying his arms still can't make throws. Mm-hmm. This is not a good He said situation. he's working back into his rotation. And then I saw a video. It, it reminded me of the Andrew Luck video uh, that came out where, you know, he barely, like, threw the football and everyone got really excited. I mean, he, like, floated a ball on a little wheel route. And people were like, Mariota's looking like he's getting there. It's like, no, that did not look great. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, like, where are they going to get offense from to keep pace? I mean, if the Eagles block Arakpo, and they're able to make some plays. Look, I think the Eagles receivers are lacking. I mean, uh, I mean, Aguilar is averaging under eight yards a catch so far for the team, so they're not making any explosive plays with their offense. But for me, I, I think this is a game where I can't see where the Titans get 20, and I think the Eagles get 20. I think the Eagles are uh, – this, to me, is an e- e- one of those that looks so easy, it scares me, but I, I just can't see how it happens. Is there anything that we should take away? I, I saw this week, this was all over like NFL Live and all those types of shows that people were saying Carson Wentz is really struggling with the cover two defense that the Colts were were throwing at him. He had to really settle into the cover two. I mean, I don't know how much you buy into. It seems like a very blanket statement for something. Yeah, no. Does, I, mean, I mean, look, look the play of the game. But that's last, what the Titans run as well. So yeah, I mean, look, they're going to run their plays to beat it. And I think Wentz. I, the other thing I think that's going to happen in this game is Wentz is going to play better because this will be the second game Wentz is back and his feet will get underneath of him and he'll play faster. I think the Eagles' offense. Maybe Alshon Jeffrey plays back. He hasn't been cleared. They need explosive plays out there outside. But I do think the Eagles can win this game easily because their defense should be able to dominate the Tennessee defense. I mean, the, the game's never going to get away from Tennessee. Tennessee, mm-hmm. if the Eagles get up 14 to nothing in the first quarter and they start fast, where does Tennessee get 14 points? Like, they tried the fake punt. They did that. They beat, you know, the, the Texans went in there and gained over 400 yards against them. I think the Eagles will move the ball. We'll see what happens. I mean, we should say Carson Wentz is, obviously does not have the weapons that he had last year. I mean, he's throwing the ball to, you know, Josh Perkins and, and all these other people around him. So he, he's still trying to find his footing as he's getting back into the routine so uh that is one thing to watch out for the next game we have is the seattle seahawks are going down to arizona to take on the cardinals the cardinals almost uh stole one away from the bears or i mean maybe should have won that game against the bears last week uh steve wilkes and that cardinals team trying to still figure it out um lombardi just looking at this game i mean russell wilson i mean he looked like russell wilson last week against the cowboys as, as we both thought he would yeah he played better i mean it seemed like he got a little bit more rhythm going mm-hmm. i think they blocked a little he bit loves better. playing the cowboys yeah he loves playing the cowboys Look, he's played really well in Arizona. I, you know, going down to Arizona, they're three zero and one in the last four games. The card, uh, the, the the Seahawks. The mm-hmm. Seahawks go down to even with a bad team, they win down there. So. I like Seattle here. I think Seattle's. I think Seattle's better. I don't think they're two fourteen. They're the same team as they were in two thousand and fourteen or two thousand and thirteen. But I think they're getting better, and I think they're running the ball better. Uh, I think they're able to pass protect better. I think their running the running game's a little more diversified. I just don't see where Arizona is going to score any points. I mean, Arizona's scored about six points in the last three quarters of games. But I mean, now we have Josh Rosen. We have chosen Rosen. And, and I think it's going to be a challenge for him to get used to the speed of the game and, and have to handle some things. He said there were nine mistakes. 
before he was picked in the NFL draft. Huge. This will be huge. I, I mean, I just think Seattle's the better team. I just don't know where Rosen's going to be able to create plays. Can David Johnson run the ball against them? Yeah, I think he probably will. Can he do it consistently for 60 minutes? I don't know about that. So I think it's going to be a real challenge. I had someone actually reach out. Uh, I apologize. I can't remember the name, but someone did reach out and say, why is David Johnson not a guy that is you know, a lot of teams are trying to target to be their number one back a team, maybe like the New England Patriots or any of these teams that are true contenders that are trying to find that one piece in the backfield and David Johnson obviously has been that guy before is there any interest in that or is it one of those things where it's almost like an Adrian Peterson situation about four or five years ago where obviously it would be nice to have that premier back but then you have to dedicate the offense to him look I think David Johnson I think they're hoping that Rosen's going to help David Johnson get going with the run game Mm -hmm. I think they're you know look the great Sam Bradford's average five yards he loves check downs more than anybody so he was taking them so you know I had someone this weekend when I was in Maui tell me that uh uh, Sam Bradford was a better quarterback than Carson Palmer. And who was that person? Was uh, it George Whitfield? Uh, it was a, it was a, a, a Los Angeles Rams fan from London. He's full of crap. He's had too much warm beer, Tate Frazier. Yeah, something was going on there. But uh, but that, that Sam Bradford, again, magic, working magic in the world. But but back to Josh Rosen. He's not going to start this week. Yeah, I, you know, I look, I think that Seattle's not great on defense. I think they're better. I think Rosen will make mistakes in the game. I think he'll take more chances than Bradford did, which will be good and bad. I mm-hmm. think he'll turn the ball over, and turnovers is what Seattle's after. I like Seattle here. I think I think Rashard Penny's not quite the back that they that they really need the car the cards have only been in the red zone two times with Sam Bradford so like this offense design their play I just don't think it's good enough you know had a chance to win last week they couldn't make the plays I like Seattle yep and uh, we'll keep an eye on that and obviously if, if the Seattle team gets back-to-back wins uh, people will start changing their tune on them because a lot of people were saying they were playing uh, for the number one pick not too long ago next up we have the San Francisco 49ers sans Jimmy Garoppolo going down to take on the Los Angeles Chargers obviously Ruben Foster Fred Warner that that run defending linebacker group that they have there has been great for the 49ers. We'll see if Melvin Gordon uh, can do something against those guys. I mean, what do you see in this one? Do, do we have a chance where C.J. Beathard can do something? I think the Chargers win, but I think this will be a closer game. I, I don't see why anybody thinks the Chargers can dominate anyone. I mean, they're 10-9 and nine under the Anthony Lynn administration, and when you break down the 10 wins, they beat a bad Giant team last year. They beat Oakland twice last year. They beat a bad Denver team, beat a bad Buffalo team twice, beat Dallas, Cleveland, Washington, the Jets. So, like, they they don't have a signature win ever. Mm-hmm. Not that the 49ers would give them a signature win because I think the 49ers, but I think the 49ers will move the ball. I think the 49ers, they, the, the Chargers have allowed 73 third down conversions already this season. Their schemes are too easy, predictable. And so... And it's deflating. If you watch these Chargers games, I mean, every single game you feel like they should be in a better position than they are. And then they get in these, you know, it'd be a third and 12, third and eight, whatever it is. And then it it, it just seems to always go the wrong way for whatever reason. They can't get team. pressure. They had five sacks against Buffalo they have seven sacks for the season I mean Mm -hmm. James is a great free safety but like I don't know where their defensive play they miss Bosa badly and he's out until at least week eight I think Kyle Shanahan will attack the scheme I think this will be a really good game I think the Niners cover I think Los Angeles can win the game but I I, like I'm not buying I'm not buying the Chargers at all until they prove that they can beat a really good team somewhere whether home or away I'll buy them but right now I'm not buying them okay and final game of the week we have the Terrell Suggs Bowl the showdown this is the most important game of that man's life always. The Ravens are going to go up to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Big Ben has been coordinated yet again. Big Ben is back, as they like to say. And and last year, we remember when Roethlisberger played this Ravens team, I think he threw it, what, like 60, I think it was like 66 times, something crazy like that. But at this point, I mean, what do you expect to see in this game? Are the Steelers, did they, did they right the ship against the uh, Buccaneers last week? Well, I mean, look, they played really well, and uh, they, their defense – Got, got a lot of hits on the quarterback. They put pressure on them, which is what they had to do. They can't really cover anybody. Baltimore's the best red zone offensive team. They've had 12 trips down there. They've scored 12 touchdowns. Remarkable, right? But Baltimore's a bad road team. They're 1-3 and three on the road against Pittsburgh so far, and, but every game is close. I mean, the, every game is really close. One game, they got blown out, but for the most part, there was an overtime game that the Baltimore won, and then there was a four-point loss, and then there was a one-point loss. So I think these games are going to be really close. I think, you know, the thing that's funny about this game, Tay Frazier's, everybody thinks it's going to be the slugfest, right? Everybody mm-hmm. thinks this is going to be two tough, hard-nosed teams battling out. No. The, <laughs> the Steelers throw the ball almost 
They throw the ball almost seventy six, almost seventy seven percent of the time in the first half. Mm-hmm. That's last in the NFL in terms of rushing attempts in the first half, and thirty first of the last rushing attempts are the Baltimore Ravens. So this is a game that's about two quarterbacks. And so if you're going to put the game on that level, I'm taking Roethlisberger. Yes. Yeah, so it's Flacco versus Big Ben. It's Flacco, and I think Blacko will make a mistake, and I think that's why I favor it. I think it'll be a close game, and but I favor Pittsburgh in this one. And it always is a close game. I mean, it is one of the best rivalries we have uh, in football, and obviously in the AFC north uh it is always a lot of fun to see those guys and and see big ben and flacco go uh mano y mano is always a good time as well um before we get out of here lombardi is there anything uh just on the docket as far as just nfl cleanup duty i mean we obviously hit a lot of stuff with mcveigh it's good that eric reed came back in the league that's a good thing right i think that's that's good for the league congratulations to carolina panthers sign eric reed for people that didn't which they needed him i mean Mm -hmm. look they don't have any safeties colin jones is playing safety for them i mean they got last year trey boston played safety for i mean yeah goes to show you they were not Trey Boston's playing for the Chargers now, I, by the yeah, way. I know. You know, yes. and, and it, missing tackles for them now as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, you know. It's garbage time interceptions. Yeah, that's, we didn't talk about the great Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles playing the Jets this week. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a there's an example of that. The Jets beat the, the Jets beat Jacksonville last year in, in overtime. I know they ran the ball effectively on them. But I, I think this week, the games, it's going to be interesting. If Indianapolis, if Houston doesn't beat Indianapolis this week, which I don't think they will, but maybe they do. I don't know. I'm not talking about that. I don't want to get... Don't don't put that on the scorecard, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, they're you know they're zero and four, and then where do they go from there? So I don't know. Th- th- this is a season that I think September is really all about. You know where your team is it's filling each other out, right? And I think this Miami New England game is going to be. I mean, if Miami wins and goes four and zero, and New England's one and three, they have a three game lead in the East after after four weeks. Huge, right? Huge. And New England's got their challenge because Miami's offense is really the Kansas City offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, they. What I think Adam Gase did is he took he saw Kansas City take New England to the woodshed in opening day last year, and he said. And I think through this offseason, he said, you know what? I got to change. I'm going to do the Kansas City. So he got Amadola to, to be a role. He got Tyreek Hill's role placed by Grant and placed by- We're going to spread the field. Spread the field, the whole field. And we're going to spread it horizontally, use mm-hmm. the whole field, uh, and take Tannehill's really influence out of the game and have a lot of big plays. And, and that's what they've done. And they've done it really well. And their defense for what, you know, their defense has been able to get control and make those turnovers that they need to. Uh, this will be a challenge for New England. I think people think New England's going to win. I think Miami, I think the spread's about seven. I think Miami, it'll, it'll be a close game unless Tannehill turns the ball over and loses the game, which he's very capable of doing. Yes, we do. Especially on the road. Yes, we do know that. Uh, I have two AFC West things to watch out for. One, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns going to see John Gruden and the Raiders. If Baker Mayfield and the Browns get another win, back-to-back wins, and John Gruden goes winless to start out this season. We might need to send John to Vienna. He, he's he, going to need a team of psychologists. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out the Lamb situation. Maybe I, I may go drive up there and just help get him out of Dodge. Yeah, I mean, he's in trouble. If he loses this game, I mean, look, home field has got to play a – look, we know, that, we know the Raiders – Cleveland goes to Oakland, and just, wins, just the optics of that with those Raiders fans, I'm just saying, if Baker Mayfield goes in there, first of all, Gruden's going to have to give Baker Mayfield the Gruden Grinder Award. You know, because he's just going to respect him so much. You're not going to be able to, you know, we might trade for him. We might put it up. We might try to trade for him. Uh, it, I mean, it will be a scene, honestly, if this does happen. You can see the frustration sort of building up there a little bit at this point. I, I'm telling you, this is one. Look, the Raiders in all three games had chances to win. They've given games away. They've lost games. The other team hasn't really won them. I think the Rams did win it, but they've lost games. Carr's been one for five on third down in the red zone. He's two for he's he's three for nine in the red zone. Only one touchdown pass two rushing so they haven't been able to convert red zones they've give up way too many big plays and so but they're playing home crowd noise has got to help them they got to put pressure on mayfield the jets never even hit mayfield Mm -hmm. i mean essentially they really i mean they got them once but for the most part in that whole second half the jets played vanilla the jets players to me were right they played a vanilla game the raiders got to turn up the heat and they got to put pressure and force and force mayfield into making mistakes yep and then the other game i want to talk about monday night football is pretty far from now but the kansas city chiefs obviously what that offense has been and what mahomes has been this will be the test because von miller is the guy that's, with crowd noise he, he is a he is a trust buster in every sense of the word i mean that carolina panthers offense came to the super bowl everyone thought that they were 
unstoppable. Guess what Von Miller did? He, he, he shut them down. But they I were mean, better in the back end. The, the the Broncos are not good in the back end. The Broncos well, defense. All those guys are there they're all time. gone. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this is a completely different. But but you're right. This is the chance where this could be a game where the Chiefs actually have to execute on third down and force them to have to not get, make big plays. If they can do that, look, I think Denver will move the ball in Kansas this is City. The three Mississippi game. If Von Miller is playing at, exactly at Von right. Miller's level, this is a three Mississippi game. If it's a five Mississippi game, the Chiefs win easily. Absolutely. So we're going to keep an eye on all that stuff uh, going into the weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday, of course, to break down uh, all the reactions from all the games. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Dave Frazier. All right, that does it for this week's Friday sit-down of GM Street. And coming up now, we got the Danacy football show with both Dannys. Uh, but first, we got to get a word from our sponsor, MyBookie. People always ask me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. Lombardi might know. Maybe the Dannys know. I don't know. But if you think you know, you got to check out MyBookie. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. My goodness, we're getting really good at making things happen in the fantasy world. So lay down some cash on with Big Today. You win. They pay. My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you an additional $20 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. And now, the Danacy Football Podcast. Here are the Dannys. Hey, guys. My name is Danny Heifetz. I'm joined today by Danny Kelly. How you doing, DK? I'm doing great, man. Nice. I'm glad to hear it, dude. <laughs> we are the hosts of the Fantasy Football Podcast, and uh, we're going to throw up some last-minute fantasy advice heading into the weekend. Shall we do it, DK? Let's do it. How do you feel about Rashard Matthews this week? <laughs> um, for good so things hot. out of Tennessee. <laughs> I think he just uh, asked for his release, so uh, I would probably not start him. Yeah, not quite. Great stuff. Real lightning round. Who's your first guy? All right, Amari Cooper, Raiders. He's at Cleveland. I got to say, Cooper's probably like the most frustrating fantasy football player uh, ever. I I have him in multiple leagues this year. He's just one of those guys that'll go off one week, not the other. I think you have to. I'm I'm sticking with him, but grudgingly, just because I think he's still going to get the volume. And, but I mean, if you have him, just trade him. That's my my (laughs) advice. Amar Cooper, comma, begrudgingly should just be his name on your roster. Exactly. I'm out on the guy. Who do you got? Uh, My next person, Sony Michelle. Patriots are playing the Dolphins this week. So look, he obviously has the job. He got 10 carries in week two for just like 34 yards. 14 carries in week three for like 50. Bill ha- Bill Simmons has been very clear yeah. about his distaste for Michelle's abilities on his podcast. Uh, Lombardi, as he pointed out, I mentioned, you know, sometimes Michelle just kind of just looks lost sometimes on the field. Obviously, he's a rookie. at surgery in early August. But for our purposes here with fantasy and stuff, look, Rex Burkhead obviously is on injured reserve with his neck injury. Jeremy Hill already tore his ACL. He has the volume. He seems to be like he's going to be the lead back, uh, almost certainly. And as Lombardi mentioned on the pod this week, you know, James White is kind of a catcher. He's not really a runner. He can't really do things in traffic. Even if you don't believe in Michelle as being Deion Lewis, I still think right. for fantasy purposes, he's totally worth a flex spot. So I'm totally in. Yeah, it's volume. It's volume. I'm with you on that one. Uh, My next guy is Buck Allen of the Ravens at Pittsburgh. Allen has been one of the NFL's best touchdown vultures this season. So I'm actually in on him. I I wouldn't say start him over over Collins if you have Collins, but I would say, you know, he's worth a start at this point just because he's getting a lot of the the red zone stuff. He's been, you know, functioning in their in their passing game. So I think he's worth a start. (laughs) On the fence. it, it, it's a worthy flex. The running, as we'll get to later, running backs shockingly yeah, thin at the moment flex. at the end. Uh, next one for me is just Packer running backs. I mean, this yeah. is all inclusive right now. Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams. Uh, in theory, this should be a good game against Buffalo. You know, it wasn't great in theory against the Vikings last week, but I, I kind of count that as an aberration. I think right. the Packers will get up big on Buffalo. I think they'll be up three touchdowns. Uh, 
in theory, you would get a lot of volume. I think playing them, maybe you could get 25 points from Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. I think that they have really low floors and you don't know who's going to get the ball right now. Very risky, so I'm out. I feel like you probably have a better option on your bench somewhere. Yeah, I got Jamal Williams in the ringer league and he's going to be sitting on our bench, so I'm out too. Uh, another another Packer for the next one, Randall Cobb uh, versus Buffalo. Last week was kind of a disaster for him. I think he had two drops, a fumble. You know, he just he just did not look in sync. Um, but at the same time, he got a lot of volume. He still had 11 targets, four catches, 22 yards. I still, I'm in on, I'm in on Cobb versus Buffalo. I think with Devonte Adams probably going to be lining up against Tre'Davious White. That's going to be their shadow coverage there, and I think that could open things up. They'll look for Cobb. Um, and I want to say that Aaron Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks. This is something that Scott Barrett has talked about. Um, he just in those tight, you know, uh, coverage situations with number one corners, he he ends up just going to other receivers. Usually, he just doesn't try and push the envelope there. So, I like Cobb in this game. I I still love Geronimo Allison, but I I feel Cobb. I feel. I mean, I feel that yeah, they both could be good options. Honestly, I I, I feel Cobb though. Uh, next one for me, Royce Freeman against Kansas City. I have such mixed feelings on this. Uh, yeah, I have him in the Ringer Fantasy League. He's got so last week he had 13 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown after Philip Lindsay got ejected. And what we learned from that is not so much that they're competing against one another as much as they really just seem determined to divide them into some a, a true committee, and that you know each right. guy's going to get a certain split, and they're going to roll with who seems to be reading the blocks best, and that's. Good and bad, it's annoying because it's kind of like, wow, Royce is not going to be the three-down guy you probably envisioned when you got him. But at the same time, there also seems to be a floor built in where Philip Lindsay's not going to just usurp him and get his job by week seven, and you're just going to have this useless Royce Freeman you have to cut or trade. So I'm in very begrudgingly. Uh, Are you not worried about the game script on this one? I am for sure because the Chiefs are probably going to be up. (laughs) But at the same time, I still think, look, if they're trying to score, I still think there'll be red zone opportunities he's going to be able to get. I would mm-hmm. throw him at flex, but very like I'm not excited about it. Uh, next guy, Tyler Lockett, Seahawks at Arizona. You know we talked about Brandon Marshall before. Lockett has kind of emerged as the guy I think to go with in this in the Seahawks passing game. Now the the question is, will Doug Baldwin play this week? Because he's practicing today. He says he's ready to go. Uh, so that is kind of a factor here. I'm in on Lockett, but it kind of depends on what happens with Doug Baldwin. Keep Doug, keep Baldwin's status in mind. Um, on Saturday, Sunday morning, or whatever, see how that goes. I think if Baldwin's out, he's a surefire start. If not, uh, I'm a little less confident about. It. I'd probably be out if if Baldwin plays. I don't. I'm not worried about Baldwin even if he does play because. So what happened with him in Week One was he kind of hurt that knee. He had been dealing with another knee injury. He hurt the other knee in the game. Stayed in the game, and he should have came out. But he's a tough dude. I don't think he yeah. ever missed a game. Um, before that, I could be wrong, but he had a very long stretch of never missing time. And I think I that remember. they yeah. won't be trying to re-aggravate this or make anything worse in the game. I think they'll be very cautious with him. Yeah, that's fair. All right, DK. Now we're going to do some stargazing. Uh, these are the star players keeping you up at night. Uh, there's actually not that many this week. There's actually a lot of good matchups. We almost talked about Isaiah Crowell, which is <laughs> how <laughs> deep we scraped the bottom of the barrel this week. Yeah. Uh, the only person really I think that caught our eye this week was Jay Ajayi. Carter IJJI. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> going against the Titans. He's been dealing with a back injury. Um, Broken back, in fact. That's That just sounds bad. Sounds really um, bad. So this is kind of more of an approach about how you approach injured running backs in general and just a good matchup. So my thinking here is he's going to play, and the question is pain tolerance, which is kind of like the last thing you want to hear. Uh, I think the Eagles are good enough, deep enough that if they're winning by a lot, they're probably not going to be a situation where they're going to force them out there if they have to. At the same time, my sense is Ajayi, even in a limited role, getting limited time is probably better than what you have on on your bench. I'm still right. rolling with him. What do you think, DK? Yeah, I mean, if you have a deep, if you're on a deep league and you and you really need a, a running back, I think I would be fine. I would feel fine going with him this week because I could just see him having one of those games where it's like ten touches and two touchdowns, you know, like that kind of thing. He's kind of their guy. Um, at least based on what we saw sort of in week one, you know, he's their guy in the red zone. He, he's the kind of guy that can break open a big run. So I'm, I'm sticking with him for now. I think that the injury is definitely something to monitor going forward. And, and that's why I think we talked about Corey Clement being a really interesting stash option, just because if Jai, if these injuries keep building up, I just think, you know, at some point they're going to shut him down. So um, 
I'm good to go with Ajayi this week, but that, that back injury is definitely something to monitor going forward. So I'm going to chime in here. What's up, guys? So I have Jay Ajayi <laughs> okay. on my fantasy team. And really? I'm just wondering, is it worth the headache to worry about him getting injured mid-game? If you have somebody else, like, let's say, carry on Johnson. Who's is that your option? Yeah. I mean, I'd probably go with Johnson. Really? Seemed, yeah, I mean, he seemed to separate himself in that, that backfield. They finally got over the hump, and they got that 100-yard game finally after years. They seem to be kind of, you know, figuring it out, at least on that offensive side of the ball. So He has more of a guarantee to play the whole game. I thought that had more to do with how bad New England's run defense is, and I don't think Dallas is going to be a similar matchup I, in the grand history of the Lions not running. So I think the Johnson thing, I'm, I need to see the Lions do that twice before. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll get another 100 yards. I still think a Jai 15 touches from him is better, but sucks to suck. That sounds awful. <laughs> Great. Thanks, also, Danny. intern Craig, who is <laughs> no longer intern Craig. Woo, I'm just wow. Craig now. You're just Craig? No, <laughs> no, 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 you're not Craig. <laughs> Craig is the chief. Just Craig. Anyway, uh, moving on to, we're going to build a little streamer lineup. We're just going to, if God forbid, you really have to pull someone off waivers and put them in your lineup right now. Uh, bye weeks are here. Uh, yep, we're just going to throw yep. together a lineup of people who are under 50% owned-ish. Uh, so starting at quarterback, uh, first one we got here, Case Keenum of the Broncos going against Kansas City. I think this is kind of just bare bones, right, DK? I mean, Kansas City blows people out. And by the second quarter, they've abandoned whatever faint yeah. game script they put together, and you just start shucking the ball. And Case Keenum actually plays pretty well from behind. And I mean, he's like he's a gunslinger. You know, he had like an amazing amount of passing yards in college. I think it's a kind of it's one of those situations that shapes up. He could be passing at a time. He could throw like fifty passes because the uh, the Chiefs are up twenty one to nothing in the first quarter or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I like this from a fantasy point of view. Keenum is not necessarily. An exciting option, normal in normal situations. But Respect yeah, I think, him. That's the that's the best guest in the history of Slow News Day with Kevin Clark. So, oh yeah, there you so, go. How dare you? All right, DK. Who do we got at running back this week? All right, so the the running back streaming situation this week is really really tough. Uh, there's basically no solid options. I think the two that we came up with. Uh, I'll start off with Theo Riddick uh, at Dallas. Um, he's one of those guys that's going to get a lot of volume in terms of just receptions. This is a PPR option only. I would say. Uh, he's kind of the the outlet option for Stafford in that offense. And right now he's sixth in running back receptions. He's playing a Cowboys team that has allowed the six most catches to running backs, and they don't have Sean Lee this week. So it's an option now. Again, the carry on Johnson thing it complicates the situation. I think that they're probably going to lean on Johnson a little bit more. But if you're super desperate, Riddick is an option. Sorry for the pause. I just I um I threw up in my mouth a little bit while you were talking. Um, <laughs> thinking about theoretic in my starting lineup. Right. Um, my next guy, look, it's it's the same principle in that. Look, I have Naheem Naheem Hines. I can't say names. Naheem 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 Hines. Well, here's the point. These are both pass catching dudes that are going to get like five catches for however many yards, and you kind of have to pray they get a touchdown. Uh, maybe Riddick gets a little more cat. But the point is that there are no good streaming running backs right now at the moment. That is like the overarching point of what we're saying. Don't do this. Don't take one of these dudes, throw them in your lineup. If you have to, you're probably hoping that they get a touchdown. But the overarching point is the next wave of running backs that are going to be getting play up, playing time or massive increases are probably some handcuff to someone who gets hurt. And like that's really that's all that's out there right now. It's really bare bones. Um Receivers, on the other hand, is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more guys in the receiver position that you could, if you got a flex spot you need, I'd probably rather go with some of these guys. First guy I want to bring up, Antonio Callaway, the Browns. Um, coming off a, a, you know, not a great game. He only had four catches, I think. And, you know, so he's not really on a lot of people's radars. But he had, he had 10 targets. I think that Baker Mayfield really changes that offense. I think just the way that they're going to play. Um the amount they pass, the amount of first downs they get, how dangerous they are everywhere around the field. Um, I think that makes him an interesting target. Now, if Callaway hadn't dropped a few passes downfield, he probably would have had like 70-something yards or whatever. So Gerard underthrew um, him on like two touchdowns, dude, too. Yeah, I mean, so like he I think he's him. an option. He, he's, he had that touchdown the week before in the Saints game, and he's just kind of, I think he's going to develop as the outside guy in that offense. And so... You know, I think he is definitely worth the stream this week. And, and you know, going forward, I think that the Browns offense can look a whole lot different. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, he's, at the very least, the bench stash. Um, yeah. Someone this week, I, I'm a Giants fan. I hate the Giants. Um, 
Love, hate. Ted Ginn Jr. this week. The Saints <laughs> crush us. I went, The first football game I ever went to where one of them was actually a Saints-Giants game where Drew Brees lit them on fire. Uh, they <laughs> dropped like 50 points. Reggie Bush returned a punt, fell down. No one touched him. It, it, bad memories. Point is, the Saints are going to crush them. Ted Ginn is really good bet for a touchdown in this game. Um, probably mm. a little desperate if you have to actually play him, but you could do a lot worse. I mean, you know how Giants I feel about suck. Ted Ginn. You, you, Ted Ginn is your boy. <laughs> Kevin and uh, Mays laughed at you on air to your yeah, face. He's, he's been pretty good. Six six targets week one, seven targets week two, six targets week three. I mean, obviously the lion's share of the targets are going to Michael Thomas, but he's like their number two, and that and that's a good passing offense. So it's not the worst option you could have. RTK tight ends you got to throw in your lineup from waivers. Who are you looking at? I think Dallas Goddard, the Eagles, is worth a, you know, if you're really desperate at the tight end position. He played a bunch last week with injuries to Mike Wallace, Alshon Jeffrey. I don't know what Jeffrey's, you know, status is going to be. He's been cleared for contact, but we still don't really know exactly how they're going to use him. So um, last week they used a two tight end set on 67.5% of their snaps, and he had a big game, seven catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. I think they could still try and lean on that two tight end set a bunch this week. And so, um, you know, if you're looking for a desperation ad at tight end, he could be a guy. I I agree. I like that a lot. Well, just for this week, because tight end's so terrible this year. Uh, <laughs> the last person I got, Vance McDonald. I thought he'd yeah. be way higher owned than he actually is. He's like roughly a quarter of leagues roundabouts, but he's on the Steelers. I think people kind of assume that Jesse James is the dude in Pittsburgh, but in reality, Vance McDonald, Vance McDonald is the person that schematically just fits what they do better. He's much more versatile. He's, he's, he's a better athlete. And they actually ran specific designs for him. They had one of those little kind of flick plays. Like, it's really interesting what they're doing with him. Um, mm-hmm. Jesse James is just a dude. That might be mean. But Vance McDonald's like the dude. And right. uh, I would totally want a piece of him in that offense uh, going forward. So I'm down with him this week, but he's also, I think he might be worth keeping for the rest of yeah. the year. Five targets last week. Five targets this week, and yeah, he's he's beginning beginning to be a little bit bigger part of that offense, and so yeah, I think that's smart, at least worth an ad at this point. All right, TK, that's all the time we got. Uh, I will let you go. Enjoy the games this weekend. Although you are gonna go against Josh Rosen, your Seahawks against Rosen's first start ever. Uh, I think embarrassing guys, to lose that one. Hopefully they, uh, hopefully the Seahawks crush him. I think you're gonna get crushed, and it's gonna be awesome. And then you're mm-hmm. gonna trade Earl Thomas, and then I'll make mm-hmm. fun of you. Uh, but until then. <laughs> Peace, man. All right. Sounds good.